everybody. Thanks so much for joining us today. I hope the content encourages you and helps you build your faith. Now enjoy the message. 2 Timothy 2, 1 through 7. It says, Timothy, my dear son, be strong through the grace that God gives you in Christ Jesus. Stop right there. Really important word. If you go back to the verse, that word through is incredibly important because it's indicating emphasis. It's showing you that the emphasis of the passage is on being strong. He's saying be strong, not in grace, but through grace. In other words, he's not telling you to be stronger in grace, be stronger in grace. No, he's saying be strong and you become strong through the grace of our Lord, which is in Jesus Christ. In other words, your strength is determined by what you are working through. If your strength, if the strength that you have in your life is you're, you're working through what people are saying to you or the results of the pending election or social media or the news or something like that, your strength is not really strength. It's the opinion of others. He's saying, but when you have strength through the grace that is in our Lord Jesus Christ, you are strong. It's very important to see this. He's saying, if you want to be strong, you're in here today and saying, I want to be strong. I want to be strong. I want to be a bodybuilder for Jesus. I want to be strong. How do I get strong in my faith? How do I get rooted in my faith? How do I get developed in my faith? How do I get strong? It's through the grace that God gives you in Christ Jesus. He continues on. You've heard me teach these things that have been confirmed by many reliable witnesses. Now teach these truths to other trustworthy people who will be able to pass them on to others. It's a great little exhortation. He's saying, in other words, I'm going to give you some great truth. Take that and use it somewhere. Why don't you take what we talk about today and use it Monday in the office? Why don't you take what we talk about today and use it Tuesday at Bible study or, or whatever you can find. Take it and use it. He's saying, I'm going to give you something to make you strong. Take it and use it and pass it along to somebody else. And then he gives us three great examples. Such good stuff. In fact, I want you, if you connect with the example, to give me a big amen afterwards. He says, endure suffering along with me as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. Where are my good soldiers at? Come on, veterans. I know you're in here somewhere. Good soldier. He says, I want you to endure. Listen, we're talking about being strong. Wrap your mind around this. The topic is strength. I'm going to be strong. And now he gives three examples. I'm going to endure suffering along with me as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. Soldiers don't get tied up in the affairs of civilian life, for they cannot please the officer who enlisted them. Verse 5. And athletes cannot win the prize unless they follow the rules. If you're an athlete, let me hear you. Nobody's feeling like an athlete after Thanksgiving, right? You're feeling like, oh, man, I need to go back to being an athlete, but I don't feel very agile right now. So the second example, he says, is athletes cannot win the prize unless they follow the rules. And then verse 6, I know we have some, and hardworking farmers. Where are you at? Hardworking farmer. You bunch of city folks, what's wrong with you guys? And hardworking farmers should be the first to enjoy the fruit of their labor. Verse 7, this is good. Think about what I am saying, 
and the Lord will help you understand all of these things. Paul calls us to be strong. You know, I, I really feel like this. I feel like a lot of people are waiting for things to get easier. Maybe you just need to get stronger. A lot of people are just waiting around for it to get easier. When's it going to get easier? When's it going to become easier? What's going to make it easier? Yet, what does Paul tell Timothy? Let me give you a little bit of context to help wrap this into perspective really quick. Paul is writing to a young Timothy who is pastoring a church in Ephesus. Paul, right now, he is writing this. He's in prison in Rome. He's locked up in Rome. Nero is persecuting the church. He's ravaging Christians. He's killing them, burning them on the stake. And Paul is locked up in prison. And he's writing to a young Timothy, knowing that ministry for Timothy is going to get tougher and tougher. So the whole outline, the whole context of this passage is you have a young minister who is facing a a very difficult season of ministry coming up. Maybe that's you in here today. Maybe you're in here and you just sense it's becoming more and more difficult to live out your faith. Maybe it's at work. Maybe you're at work and it's becoming more and more difficult at work to just live like a Christian, to be a faithful Christian, to stand for what God has called you to stand for. Maybe it's at home. Maybe you're just stuck at home and it's becoming more and more difficult to walk. I talked to somebody who's been quarantined three different times because they've come into contact with the virus. That is 42 days stuck in your house, two of them back to back. Came into contact 14 days off. Next day, came into contact again another 14 days. That's 28 days immediately locked away from your work, from your family, from people, and then went back and a week later came into contact again. And they're saying, hey, at home, it is just really difficult right now. Maybe it's difficult in your in your life, wherever you may be at, however you see yourself now. Maybe it's difficult at school. Maybe you're at school and you keep coming in to conflict and you're saying it is becoming increasingly difficult to be a Christian and to do what God wants me to do. What's the remedy? Are you ready? You ready for the remedy? I got two young, strong men ready for the remedy. Are you ready for the remedy? Come on, online, are you ready for the remedy? You need to comment in the chat. Are you ready for the remedy? Let me give it to you. 25 times in the book, Paul tells Timothy, be strong. Be strong. Quit being weak. Quit being soft. Quit giving up at adversity. Quit walking away when it's challenging. Quit quitting. You wanted the remedy. What do I do? It's getting difficult. Tell me how to make it easier. No, no, no. We're not about how to make it easier. We just need to get a little stronger. We need to get a little tougher. 25 times in the book, Paul comes to Timothy and he says, you think it's hard right now? Toughen up, buddy. Just get stronger. Now let's walk through these examples. I love these examples. First, let me, let me wear this strength out a little bit. I think we need to understand a little more about strength. Two things to know about strength really quick. God gives strength and God renews strength. Isaiah 40, 29 says he gives power to the weak and strength 
to the powerless. Isaiah 40 verse 31 says, But those who trust in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. Okay, let's start putting this together now. The resource of God's strength is available to us through the grace of our Lord. He gives strength and He renews strength. But we have to be willing to receive strength. We have to receive the strength through his grace that he gives us. Now, let, let's walk just a little bit further because he says, you be strong through the grace. Strength is the unmerited assistance of God. So if I want strength, I want his unmerited assistance. Grace is the unmerited favor of God. So if I get to strength through grace, what am I actually saying? I'm saying that the grace of God that gave us Jesus as the sacrifice for our sins that welcomes me into fellowship with God also is the avenue by which I become strong. So, The strongest declaration that you can make over your life is, I am a child of God. Oh, the strongest declaration that you can make is, I am a child of God. Because what am I saying? I am saying that I've been adopted into his family and through him, I find the strength that I need to keep going. If India were here, I'd put on a mic and make her sing that song right now. I am a child of God. What I'm declaring is I am strong. I am stronger than any adversity that can come against me. I am stronger than any challenge that I may face when I am a child of God. Maybe you just need to walk around your house and start declaring, I am a child of God. Even in the midst of this pandemic and all of the challenges that I'm facing, I am a child of God. Maybe you need to go to work and you need to declare throughout your work, I am a child of God. God has his hand upon me. He has welcomed me into his family because when we recognize that we are part of his family. We are accessing our strength. My dad used to be really prideful about the Cunningham name. He loved being a Cunningham. He used to say, son, we're Cunninghams. Cunninghams. Now, some of the things were good and some of the things were bad, but all in all, we were Cunninghams and we were strong about being Cunninghams. So I needed a job one summer and my dad said, hey, Call your Uncle Tom. My Uncle Tom owned a pretty successful construction company, Cunningham Construction. So I call, he said, call the office, tell Tom you need a job. He'll let you clean the shop, pressure wash the equipment, whatever. So I called the office, and I said, hey, may I please speak to Tom? And they said, oh, we're sorry, Tom's unavailable. And they're like, he'll, he'll, we'll, have, we'll take your number and have him call you back. Okay, great. My dad calls me. He says, what'd your uncle say? I said, well, they said he wasn't available. My dad said, son call them back and tell them you're a Cunningham. He said, son, your last name is on the front of the building. Son, you're his nephew. Call him back now and tell him you want to talk to Tom and tell him who you are. So I called the office. Lady picks back up. I said, hey, can I please speak to Tom Cunningham? And she said, yeah, sir, we just let you know. We'll have him call you back. I said, oh, no, 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 no. My name's Luke Cunningham. Tom's my uncle. Can I talk to Tom? She said, hold please for Tom Cunningham. And then guess what? My uncle picked up the phone. Why? Because when they realized my relationship, it gave me greater access. 
You have got to realize the relationship that you have with God so that you can have greater access to the strength that you desperately need to keep going. You have to make the connection. You have to recognize I'm a child of God, and because I'm a child of God, that means I'm strong. I'm not a child of this world. I'm not a child of the news. I'm not a child of social media. I'm not a child of the opinions of what people have said about me, put on me, or the things that I've done in my past. I am a child of the living God, and in the living God, I find my strength. That's where you're strengthened. That's what we root in. And then he goes through, and I love these examples. Number one, he gives the example of a soldier and he speaks to discipline. He gives the example of a soldier. He says in 2 Timothy 2, 3-4, endure suffering along with me as a good soldier. Recognize the emphasis. There are soldiers and then there are good soldiers. He said, as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. Soldiers, think through this for a second. Don't get tied up in the affairs of civilian life, for they cannot please the officer who enlisted them. This is important to know in context. Roman soldiers, when you became a soldier in this time, and, and think through, Paul's in prison. He's chained up. There is a soldier standing outside of his cell watching over him. So he's writing about this with this perspective in mind. When you became a Roman citizen or a Roman soldier, you were no longer allowed to marry. You weren't allowed to participate in business. You weren't allowed to participate in merchandise. You left your self-will. You left your pride. You left, you left your family you left everything to serve the calling of being a soldier. Think back, Uriah the Hittite. Remember, Uriah comes home and David says, hey, Uriah, go home and sleep with your wife. And what does Uriah do? Sleeps on his doorstep. And then David wakes up and says, why didn't you sleep with your wife? And Uriah said, far be it from me to be a soldier and to come back from battle early and sleep with my wife when my brothers are still out there at battle. That was the code of a soldier. They didn't get wrapped up in civilian life, but they stayed disciplined. If you want to get stronger, you've got to get more disciplined. You have got to figure this thing called discipline out, and you've got to start sowing seeds of discipline all over your life. You know what they are. You know where you compromise. In fact, Pastor Nick Saban of the Alabama Crimson Tide one of the greatest definitions of, of discipline that I have ever heard. That was a blasphemous statement, by the way, or a heretical statement. I'm just kidding. But Nick Saban has one of the greatest statements on discipline that I've ever heard. He said, discipline is when you have something you know you shouldn't do, but you want to do it, you're able to tell yourself no. And then he says, you have something that you want to do, but you know you shouldn't, you're able to tell yourself yes. No, 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 wait, I messed that up. He said, discipline is... When there is something you want to do, but no, you shouldn't do it, are you able to tell yourself no? He said, discipline is when there is something you don't want to do, but you know you should, are you able to tell yourself yes? That's discipline. Discipline is waking up and saying, I really don't feel like meeting with Jesus, but I'm going to meet with Jesus. Discipline is saying everybody else at work is compromising and they're doing this and that sounds really fun and I really want to partake in it, 
but I'm going to tell myself no. And I'm not going to do it. Paul is saying, young Timothy, you want to make it through a difficult time, you've got to figure out discipline. Because when you're disciplined, you're strong. Back in, in high school, when I was in high school, we used to, people would go off to the military, and there were, there were two types of people that went to the military when I was in high school. There were those that were disciplined and sharp and ready, and those that needed to be, right? They would say, if the really good kids, man, you're going to make a great soldier, and they'd say, the really bad kids, you need to go to the military, and they need to straighten you out. That was what always happened. And so my friend, uh, Ben, his older brother, Matt, was the latter. He, was, he had purple hair, big black Jinko jeans and chains everywhere. He wore a dog collar, smoking weed all the time. He was just a really, really bad kid. And he had no real future in front of him. So his parents said, you're going to the military. And he didn't bring it on, you know, whatever. So he signs up and he goes to the Marines. And I'll never forget this. At my school, this is really cool. I don't know if they still do this or not. But if you went off to the military, and you graduated from boot camp, they invited you back to the school like six, eight, 12 weeks later, and you would show up at the school, and they would, you know, have you in the library, and everyone would come say hi and greet you, and they'd walk around to the classrooms and say, oh, I had this person in class. So we heard over the intercom that Matt was back, and we were like, oh, this ought to be good. And Matt, I was sitting next to his brother in class when this happened, Matt walked into our class, and I, am, I have never seen, it was like extreme makeup over emo edition. You know, it's like, I don't even know what it was, but this, he was just a totally different person. And he walks in there and he had that, that formal Marine suit that the outfit that they had. And he, he walked and he had his hat on. And he remember he walked in there, he was trim. His hair was cleaned up. It wasn't purple anymore. And he walked in there to our teacher. And I remember this as vivid as I can. I was like, oh, who is this guy? And then he peels the hat off his head. He reaches out, shakes the teacher's hand. And we were like, what's happened to him? And the one word that characterized him was discipline. He figured out discipline. He talked about waking up at four in the morning, having to make his bed, go for a run, eating at specific times, doing exactly what he is told. And he had developed this discipline. And the discipline that he had was oozing strength into the room. It was like, wow, he is a different man. That is what Paul is talking about when he says get strong. When you want to get strong, you get the discipline of a soldier. You get that discipline in your life to say, I'm going to tell myself yes when I don't want to, and I'm going to tell myself no when I want to, but I shouldn't. I am going to be disciplined. The second example he gives is that of an athlete. He references training. You get disciplined, and then you start training. 2 Timothy 2.5, he says, an athletes cannot win the prize unless... They follow the rules. The Greek word athleo means to train for competition. So he's saying, and those who train for competition and follow the rules is training according to the rules. So the, the emphasis within is he is saying, those who are training for competition are training according to a set of rules. And at my high school, we had a really good basketball program. We had a coach that was a maniac, which, which made it really good, right? Great coaches all have a little bit of crazy in them. I've been, Ray, I tell people that all the time. I was raised by coaches. I love coaches. And so our coach, he used to tell us we had the greatest home court advantage in all of the league. We had our out-of-bounce line on our basketball floor was two inches wide. 
all the way around the entire floor. That's really, really foreign for any, all the other teams. That, they had these huge out-of-bounds lines. They had their logo in them. They had their names in them. They were a different color. When our coach had our gym design, he made it a two-inch line all the way around. And invariably what would happen, he would tell us, it's our advantage. Use it to our advantage. And what would happen, we were Kansas. I grew up in Kansas. It's where basketball was created. So obviously we were really good at basketball. And we, had, we ran a full-court press Trap in the corners, push the ball to the outside the entire game. It was on the back of our shooting shirts was run till your opponents quit. I mean, we just ran and ran hard. And we had this two-inch boundary all the way around. Invariably, what would happen two to three times a game is an opposing player would dribble completely out of bounds. Because they hadn't trained according to the lines. They're used to seeing this big, thick, purple line, and there's this two-inch red line. And coach used to say, listen, drive them to the line. Drive them to the baseline and use it to our advantage. And what did we do? When we had the ball, I knew exactly where the line was. Why? Because I had trained on the court according to the lines. What Paul is saying is if you want to get strong, you have to start training in the right things. You've got to start training your spirit. You've got to start training your life. You've got to start training in prayer. You've got to start training in the things of God so that you can access the strength of God in your life. I know a lot of people that are really good at training. You train all kinds of things. You train at this, and I'm all for self-improvement. I'm all for becoming better at your skills. I'm all for working out. You know, I, worked with, I, I lived with an amateur bodybuilder for a season of time, and, and the dude was jacked. I mean, he would wake up, he'd make 12-egg omelet, he'd eat salmon and tuna all day long. He'd be waking up at midnight eating a ribeye steak, and this guy was just, he was jacked. He was in incredible shape. And I'll tell you, the Lord really got a hold of his heart, and he came to me one time, and he said, I'm taking a week off of working out. You know, that was so foreign for this guy. And he said, the Lord spoke to me, I'm better at working out than I am spending time in my Bible. And he said, the Lord said to me, if you can train your physical body better than you train your spirit, your priorities are messed up. Paul is saying, you want to get strong? Start training according to the rules. Start training yourself in the Word of God. Start training yourself in worship. Start training yourself in prayer. Start meditating over Scripture. Start memorizing the Word of God. If you start training in the right things, you're going to have the right strength. You're saying, I want to get stronger. I'm saying to you, what are you training in? You may be training really good at social media. You may be the best 30-minute scroll there is in this room. You may get it down to one hand, a little pop socket on the back, and you may, you may be trained so well in that. Let me ask you something. Can, can you offer the Lord 30 minutes if you can give social media 30 minutes? Every single day? If you can't, you need to delete the app. Because your strength lies in your training. Your strength lies in being disciplined. I'm going to be disciplined. I'm going to do the things I know I should do, and I'm not going to do the things I shouldn't do. And now I'm going to train, and I'm going to train in the right things. And then I love where Paul takes us at the very end to farmers. And he's speaking to process and season. He says, hardworking farmers, 2 Timothy 2, verse 6. He says, and hardworking farmers should be the first to enjoy the fruit of their labor. Anytime you see in Scripture farming, 
anything to do with farming, you should think season and process. The Bible talks over and over about in season and out of season. He talks about praying for rain and storing up for drought. It talks about working the harvest and enjoying the crop. You know, Jesus used the illustration and talked more about farming than anyone else in Scripture. I'll give you some of the examples. When he talked about salvation, he talked about putting a seed in the ground. He talked about putting a seed in the ground and seeing the kind of soil it was that cultivated the seed. When he talked about dissension, he talked about weeds among the wheat and having to pull the weeds from the wheat. When he talked about faith, he talked about planting a mustard seed. He said you plant a small seed and it sprouts into something big. When he talked about heaven, he talked about the leaven for the dough and working the leaven and cultivating leaven to put into the dough so that the dough will rise. When he talked about grace, he talked about laborers in a vineyard. And he said they all work different hours, but they got the same pay. So that's what the grace of God is like. When he talked about submission, he talked about two sons working a vineyard. And they disagreed with their father, yet they did what their father said because they were submitted to the leader of the vineyard. When he talked about persecution, he used the example of tenant farmers, farmers that were out and they leased some land to farm from a guy in, in exchange for crops. And after they had farmed it, they didn't give him his share of the crops. They kept it all for themselves. And he says, so is the persecution of the day, but he is here. When he talked about the end times, he talked about the budding of a fig tree and recognizing the season of when a fig tree buds and knowing what is coming on you. Anytime you see farming in Scripture, you should think season and you should think process. Paul is saying, if you want to be strong, think like a farmer. What season am I in and what is the process? What is happening to me? What season am I walking through right now and what is God trying to cultivate in me? I'm walking through a season of loss. Maybe God is trying to cultivate in me a new sense of dependence on him. A new sense of reliance on him. I'm walking through a season of persecution. Maybe God is trying to cultivate a new sense of endurance in me. I'm walking through a season of uncertainty. Maybe God is trying to cultivate a new season of faith. A new life of faith in me. You think season and you think process. When he says, I want you to be like a hard-working farmer, he's saying, I want, you to, I want you to recognize the season and embrace the process so that you can enjoy the fruit. I had, when I was growing up, I was thinking about him when I, when I was reading this the first time. I had a friend of mine who was a cattle farmer. His, his grandpa had a ton of wheat and cornfields and a ton, I'm talking a ton of cattle. They had so many cows. And so he started working cows with his grandpa. And then he started this cow thing and he had his own cows. And I, I don't know nothing about cows, but I know my friend was really into these things. I mean, he was raising these cattle, and then he would sell one. He'd buy two more, and he'd raise these two more, and then he'd sell two, and he'd buy four, and he'd just multiply it all throughout. And I mean, he was so ate up with these things. He would, they would drive by these fields, and he'd count all the cows, make sure he had them. He'd be waking up, feeding them early. His grandpa used to pay us to throw bales. He used to pay us 10 bucks, a, or 10 bucks, I wish. He used to pay us 10 cents a bale. We'd make like 10 bucks on the whole day. We'd walk behind this pickup truck and throw these square bales up to they would stack that thing like the Grinch's sleigh at Christmas. I mean, they had bales everywhere, strapped down all throughout, and we'd we'd make like fifteen dollars and work for nine hours. You know, and our hands would be bleeding and everything else. But thus is the hardworking farmer, right? Amen. 
bunch of city people. So he had all these cows, right? And we would, we would literally play a football game on a Friday, stay the night at his house, and Saturday morning he'd be up at 5 getting ready to go show a cow. Like, dude, quit with the cow stuff. What are you, what are you doing, right? So we turned 16, and we pulled up to school. And I remember when we pulled up to school, I pulled up in a 1985 Oldsmobile Cutlass. Paid 500 bucks for it. Thing was a G-Wagon. I was so proud of it. Pulled, and, and he pulled up to school. First day we could drive to school together. He was in a brand new Jeep Wrangler. I was like, man, who did you steal that from? You borrowing your uncle's car so you can come to school? You know, like, what, where did you get it? He said, no. He said, I sold my cows and bought it. And I was like, tell me more about this cow thing you got going on. Like, how do I get into this cow thing? You know what else he did? He sold his cows and he paid for his college. You know what he's got going right now? He's got an incredible career. You know, he has an incredible career because he worked the season and he worked the process to provide for himself so that he can enjoy the benefits of it. That's what the hardworking farmer does. He says, I'm going to embrace this season. I'm going to work this process. And at the end of it, I'm going to enjoy the fruit of it. When we talk about being strong, Join me in this just for one. If you hear anything about being strong, I want you to walk out of here today and say, I want to have the discipline of a soldier in my life so that I can get stronger. No, no. First thing I want you to say is I am a child of God, and because I'm a child of God, I am strong. And that strength is going to grow when I have the discipline of a soldier. When I'm dialed in on my discipline, when I have the training of an athlete and I'm training my spirit on the things God wants me to train on, and when I have the discernment of a farmer and I can recognize a season and I can recognize a process and I don't give up when I'm challenged, but I just grind through it so that I can enjoy the reward at the end. Maybe we need to quit asking for things to get easier and just get a little stronger. Everybody, thanks again for joining us. We believe God has something great for your life, and we hope this message encourages you to take the next step in your faith.